Well, it's good to be here. I really, really love this family, this community. If I was not on assignment, I'd ask God if I could relocate here. I love the, I love the area. I love you people. I love these two. You got great leaders. Uh, today, as we are in worship, you see, you have a sound here. You know how people are finding people in this hour? They're not finding people by what they believe. They're finding people by the sound that's being released. You have a sound of a warrior tribe here. And the, the warrior tribe, people need to find the sound that you're carrying. They'll be drawn to the sound because the sound goes into the atmosphere. And that atmosphere, that's what they'll tap into. And they'll start on a journey to try to find that sound. And we're realizing ourselves that we carry a certain sound and that the people are coming. People are coming because they've heard of something, but the reality is the ones that stay is because the sound that we carry resonates with the sound that's in their spirit. And because of that, then there's a connection in what, what we do. So uh, but today during worship, I was, I was almost overwhelmed at one point um, because I was looking out on all your faces, I like to scan the room a lot. And sometimes I'll go to the back and just pray over people and stuff. And today I was overwhelmed almost at one point because I was seeing all of your hopes and dreams. And it was almost too much. And I asked the Lord, I said, God, what, what about what I'm seeing right now? And he says, tell him I'm working on all of it. So whatever you're dreaming about, whatever you're hoping about, God's got his hand on it right now. And he hasn't abandoned you, and he hasn't dismissed it, and he has, it's not delayed, it's none of that. He's working out every detail of every hope and every dream that you've been carrying. And some of those things may seem very big to you, but it doesn't matter. It's very small to God. So don't stop dreaming, don't stop hoping, don't get into delay or get into stagnation and be hope deferred and it's put off for another day. Today is the day that hope can materialize and become a reality for you. So, um, but today what I want to talk about and what God wanted me to talk to you about is about the spirit of sonship. And I've been talking about the glory the last couple evenings and I want to tie in today sonship into the glory. And tonight I'm going to talk about uh, the quickening spirit of God, which is actually the glory of God that uh, it's resurrection power. It's the power of God resurrecting us. And it, that's what I want to talk about tonight. So if you want to come back tonight, that's what you're going to hear. So it's, I'm, not, I'm not putting something out there. If you, you know, if that's the thing that you really want in your heart, and, you know, even, even Yuri was saying about the fire in the hills. I've actually got the fire in the hills on my calendar. So I don't know. I put, it, I put things on my calendar like that, and I pray coming in, God, am I to be there? God, if I'm not going, then I pray about what's going on, <clears throat> especially if I'm part of this house or connected into this house. I feel a responsibility to do that. So I'm, I'm tracking right with you. I've been tracking as all of this has been unfolding and so I'm trying to stay with you. So today, though, I want to talk about sonship. And as my spiritual father says, I'm going to try to be brief and amazing at the same time. So we'll see if we can accomplish that. So I want to talk, start out in Romans 8.15. And I want to talk about what does it really mean to be 
a son or a daughter. And I want to cover two areas of that this morning. I want to cover what does it really mean to be a son or daughter? What does it mean to be adopted into God, into the family of God? What does it mean to experience salvation? What does it really mean to say that I'm a son or a daughter of God? Romans 8.15, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. There's that fear thing, isn't it? You see, bondage, bondage always has fear associated with it. Uh, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, you've been adopted. When you got born again, you were adopted into the family of God. You were, you were adopted in. But what does that really mean that you were adopted? Because what it's really talking about is the opposite, that somebody was orphaned. And the reality in that day, they never saw anybody as an orphan. Everybody had a family and a place to belong. So when they were adopted in, it's a, it's a word that says that you have the same rights and privileges of the family that adopted you. So if you were adopted into Christ, you've been adopted into a family that's in heaven, and you have all the rights and privileges of that family. But it also means a word that means to be placed, and it actually means to be placed alongside. So when you were brought in and being adopted by Christ, you were placed alongside him. He didn't just say, I'm bringing you into a family, and you're kind of over there. Like you're unimportant or you're not connected. He literally is saying, I'm bringing you right alongside me, putting my arm around you, and we're going on a journey together. I've brought you into the family for such a time as this. I've, I have something that I want you to do. And we, we see in this day and hour, a lot of people are talking about spiritual fathers, but a, I, what I'm seeing is a lot of them are gathering, but they're holding their sons and daughters out there instead of saying, come and walk alongside me. Come walk this thing out with me. And Jesus comes and he says, I want to adopt you and I want to bring you alongside and when, the, when they looked at that word adoption, it actually meant as if you were never orphaned. It meant that you had never experienced not having a place of belonging. And I think that is, it takes us time over the years. You know, like for me, I came out of a lot of stuff in 1979 when I got born again and came alongside and got placed with Christ alongside of him. And that old man is dead and all things are new. So that old man, I don't even understand what it was like to be an orphan. But now I understand what it means to be adopted. Because I'm not just somebody that's a number like, you know, we can say we're all a number in this room right now. But it's like the reality is Christ is right beside you with his arm around you and saying, let's journey on this life together and, I, and as we journey, it's kind of like this. He's journeying with you and he's like talking to you. And he's explaining what you're journeying through. And he's explaining to you what you should be doing with your life and how that, the decisions that you should make every day. But at the end of this verse, there's an amazing thing that says, it says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We cry, Abba, Father. What does that mean? Abba and Father. Father means a generator. It means one that's a propagator. It's one that creates legacy and inheritance. It, it's one that is looked at as the father that has created a son or a daughter. 
But when you say the word Abba, the word Abba, when you start to study that out, it actually is talking about the father of creation. So it's as if saying, I've been adopted, not just to come, to come under Christ, but I've been adopted into the family all the way back to the origin of creation. And I'm seeing that the creator, father, God who created me is also placing me in his family. So I've been placed in that creative ability of him. And he had me in his heart and created this earth for me to fulfill my purpose and destiny. And all of that. And it's like it's, it's taking us back to the original intention of how we should be seeing ourselves. So it's kind of like this. You have a double adoption. You've been adopted by Christ that he says, come, I'm going to place you right here beside me and walk this out. And you've been adopted by the father creator as well. And when they look at that, when you look at those words, they're very different words because it's very different in your positioning. You see, most of us believe I'm just positioned with Jesus, but you're positioned with the father just as much as you're positioned with Jesus. And your position with the creator of all things. So I always look at it like this. If the creator of all things created all things for me to fulfill my destiny, then what in the world would he hold back from me if I would ask him? You see, the, the limitation is in, in our thinking that we aren't worthy or we aren't, we aren't valuable enough that God would want to do that for me. But the reality of it is, if he placed me alongside him, he kind of like wants to hang out with me and he wants to be close to me. He doesn't want to be far and distant from me. So adoption is very important. So we have like a, I call it a double adoption. And do you realize then that that means that, you see, you were lost and he found you. It was not the other way around. He went looking for you. He tried to discover you. He tried to try to get a hold of you. Some of us were a little cantankerous. You know, we tried to elude him, but you know what happens? The, 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 the sin in our life repels God, but the love of God compels God. And the love of God just keeps coming at us and coming at us till we finally give in to it. And then when we realize Here's what comes down to the creator of all things has also chosen me to be his son or daughter. That is a that is a heavy statement. The creator of all things has chosen you, you. I wish I knew all your names. I call you all out. You to be a son or a daughter of not just of Jesus, but of the creator as well. And so what happens is he begins to welcome us into a family. And in the book of Ephesians, it talks about a lot of things. And that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to look at Ephesians real briefly. I'm going to, I'm going to skip a bunch of things here today so that we can get out on time and not continue the meeting all the way till 6 tonight. But he starts the list in chapter 1. Your reality as a son or a daughter, your reality as a son or daughter of Jesus, a son or daughter of the creator, a son or daughter that's been placed in a family. And he starts listing these things. And I listed these things last night. 
I listed them kind of briefly, but in verses 1, verse 3, he said he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ. How many, did, how many blessings did he give you? All of them. Not withholding anything. He gave every blessing to you. It says it in, in 1, 4. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. You were chosen and in God's heart, he was thinking about you before you ever came into existence. In verse 5, he predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. Predestined means he determined before ahead of time. He, pre he determined that I want to adopt you, which means I want to legally formalize and make you a person with all the rights of inheritance as my own child. Which is amazing, isn't it? In 6, he says we've been accepted, which means highly favored and blessed. In 7, it says that we've been redeemed. In 8, it says he has abounded towards us in wisdom and prudence. Abounding means that something has exceeded a fixed measurement. He's going beyond how you measure things to give you wisdom and prudence in everything that you have need of. And nine, he says, I make known the mystery of the will. And ten, he talks about the dispensation of the fullness of time. And it goes on and on and on and on through this first chapter. And it's giving you the legal rights that you have as a son or a daughter of Christ and a son and a daughter of the creator both. Verse 14, he says, it's the earnest of our inheritance, which means the down payment. So what happens is, is we look at all of those things and we're so amazed at what we have. And then he says, oh, by the way, this isn't even the inheritance. This is just the down payment. And we all know if we've bought anything with a down payment, there's a whole big chunk that we have to come up with. You know, the down payment doesn't mean that you have, have, you have ownership, but you have right to the ownership of. And he gives you then this earnest down payment. In other words, he's saying, I have more than whatever you could think or believe. I got more than how you could ever dream about anything that you want to dream about. All of that's just a little smidget, just a little little thimble full of what I can do and we get caught up in saying things like well I wonder if I'm really worthy and he doesn't even bring that up in this discussion in Ephesians chapter 1 he's already settled the fact you're worthy you just haven't come to grips with you're worthy he's already settled the fact of your value we haven't settled the fact of our value and that is what hinders us from coming into a full inheritance. So I want to get into the heart of this this morning. I talked about this the last two nights back in verse 10, 110. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and both which are in earth. And I talked about in the last two nights about the word dispensation, meaning the administration of. The administration of the fullness, of the plurora. That's what the word fullness means. And it means the fullness, the only thing I know that's got fullness is heaven. It's complete. It's lacking nothing. The fullness of time, keros, means the divine moment in God. 
So it starts to unpack like this. If you were here the last two nights, you've heard me review this, but I'm going to review it again because you need to hear it again and again and again. When we begin to administrate the fullness, we will have divine moments. When will revival come? When we administrate fullness. When will outpouring come? When we administrate fullness. When will awakening come? When we administrate the fullness that we have been given as an inheritance. When we start accessing and saying, all right, I understand my earnest down payment. Now I'm wanting the fullness of what you promised me as a son or a daughter. I'm going to administrate it. I'm going to be responsible for it. I'm going to steward it. I'm going to put it into motion out of my life. But there's something amazing about the word dispensation. And if you start to dig a little deeper, which I like to dig a little deeper, it comes from two words. It comes from a word. I'm not going to tell you the Greek words because it's embarrassing that I can't pronounce them. Okay? But it comes from two words, which means... The oversight or governing of a household according to the household rules. You see, as a son or a daughter, you've been adopted into what? A family. And that family has been given an assignment. You as a son or daughter have been given an assignment. The governing of the household rules. Or it could be looked upon as the house law or the law of the family. Isn't that amazing? So you've been given the administration of, you've been given the oversight and the governing of the family law. Now we're not under law, we're under grace. Now what does that actually start to entail? Let me pull up some other notes that I have that God spoke to me when we were over there sitting for a moment. It means that you are in charge of the moral constitution of the kingdom. What am I talking about? The Beatitudes. You are responsible for how God operates in the earth and what we are creating as the Ecclesian church of this hour. The Beatitudes is about the inward response of how you're responding to what God is constituting into the earth right now. Those Beatitudes, I think you all probably know them, you know. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And it goes through all of these things about blessing. Blessed you'll be comforted. Blessed you'll inherit the earth. Blessed, you see what he's saying is he says, I'm, I'm telling you what your inheritance is that you have to be responsible for. Y'all kind of coming along? So there's a word there that's called blessed. And it's a word that's spelled M-A-K-A-R-I-O-S. Ma-keros. Hmm. Ma-keros. It's talking about the same divine moment if I would steward fullness. So if I would steward the fullness, I would have the blessing. You all kind of coming. 
Got to make this leap with me here, okay? Now, this word in, in the Hebrew, in Psalms 1, it says blessed is the one. The word blessed is a word that has three letters in it. You see how deep I'd like to get into this. Alpha, sheen, and rays has three letters. The first two spell out something that devours, and it's interpreted as fire. The last letter talks about someone's head. So when you start to look at that in the Old Testament, here's what the word blessed mean. Fire on the head. Fire on the head to inherit the earth. Fire on the head to be comforted. Fire on the head. You know what it's talking about? When it's talking about fire on the head, the presence of God. The glory of God resting on a people. The full inheritance. The, the fire burning in your mind that burns out those thoughts and all of that weird junk that we deal with all the time. You know, you need a metanoia. And, it, and he substance, it starts, there's really through the three definitions. I'll just get down to the end of this and hop back to the other place. Fire on the head, the presence of God, or I've been marked with union with Christ. You see, I've been placed. I've been marked. You know, two, three years ago, I was here talking about thresholds and how God has been marking those that are standing for truth. There's a mark on all of your heads. And it's a mark that God says, I want to bless you. I want to put fire on you. I want presence to dwell with you. I want you to carry it everywhere you go with you, in and out and wherever you might go. I want you to have that. And that becomes our responsibility of how am I administrating that? Am I allowing it to come into fullness? Or are my thoughts and my doubt and unbelief stopping me from coming into fullness? What in the world is going on? And he says, I've got this family. And see, you're part of a family here. And you're part of a family in heaven. And you're part of a family of Christ. And you're part of a family of Father God, the Creator. We are in a huge family. And he says this here in Ephesians. Let me see if I can find this. That he wants to gather all things. It's still in the same verse, I believe. 110. That we might gather together in one, meaning in union with Christ, all things in Christ. Now, all things means everything. And all things is also in Colossians 1, 16 through 20. It says, for by him were created, all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth. Well, you know what he's talking about, and it goes on talking about principalities and powers and dominions. It's talking about all things, all things, all things, and it keeps saying it. And what he's talking about in all of that is he's talking about anything that has any kind of structure or order, he created it. And he's wanting to gather all of that together in union with him. He's wanting to gather the, the structure of this family to take charge of the family law and start to bring us to another level in him. You see, there's a whole lot more than saying I'm a son or daughter of Christ and I'm just trying to figure myself out. 
There is business he wants us to conduct. We have came here today as the ecclesia. We have came as a governing body of the sons and daughters of God to discuss the family law and business to say, is the moral constitution that he has established, is it being fulfilled or is it not? We've been gathered here to see and discuss if the mission that has been discussed in heaven is the mission that we're hearing and discussing here on the earth. Are we in sync with what is going on in heaven? That's why we come to gather. We love the worship. We love the teaching. We love each other. You know what? Those are bonuses. But we are supposed to be about the Father's business. And the Father's business requires an administration, a stewardship of us. Now in Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. He says this to us. He says, we are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. You're a fellow citizen. You move from being a son or a daughter, put into a family, and brought into a citizenship of the kingdom. You have multiple tier responsibilities and multiple tier administration and multiple tier things that God wants to give you as a son or daughter. Your journey as a son or daughter is just the beginning of your responsibilities. We don't like that word, do we? Responsibilities. That requires something from me. He says you're not a stranger. You know what a stranger is? An alien that has no connection to a territory. You know you can be living in a territory and have no connection to it. And you become a, a stranger to that territory. You lack the knowledge to fit into the area. You don't understand the culture. Imagine me telling you these things here. A foreigner is one who lives in an area without the rights of citizenship. They don't, they've not been granted the rights. But a fellow citizen belongs to the same language, the same culture, the same rights. It's as if I was talking, carrying that same sound. And he says, you are fellow citizens. What does fellow citizens really mean? It means to be consecrated to the privilege of your citizenship. God is consecrating us to the privilege of us being a citizen of the kingdom. That's why some of the dealings that's going on in all of our hearts, some of those seem kind of severe. God's not letting us get by with stuff. We got, he needs us like on point in this hour. The redemption of the earth is sitting here in front of us. We have a role to play in creating Spiritual history. And if we don't step into administrating and being a citizen and being a son or daughter and understanding that we are to be in charge of the family law, we will miss our destiny and another generation or another one or another one will pick it up and have to finish it and we were given the first right privilege of it. And I honestly believe that we're selling our birthright out at times. We are so distracted with the things of this world and, and it's like 
when we get to heaven and look back, we're going to go, what in the world did I do? If I'd have known this, then I would have done something totally different. Well, I'm telling you, there's something totally different. <laughs> there really is. So in three, Ephesians 3, 14, 15, 15, he says, whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You're under one name, not multiple names. That's why we have union with Christ. I know we're at Freedom Center. This is just the name of a, of a place to come to more so than a people. You're not called Freedom Center. You hear what I'm saying? You're called by a name that he has named you. I believe part of your name is a warrior tribe. I believe there's names, all kinds of names that God gives us. I believe there's names that he speaks to us and talks to us about. But he's talking about a whole family and the word family is coming from a word patria, P-A-T-R-I-A. And it means associated both with the fatherhood of God and the creator God at the same time. So he says you're not just in a family of people that have been saved. You're in a family of the creator as well of what he created. There's multiple Layers of family. There is family in heaven right now that make up the bride of Christ. There's family in heaven that got saved. There's family of, there's all kinds of categories of family, but we have one singular name over us. And he says that in that, in verse 16, 316, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. This is where I'm tying the glory in again. That he would grant you, which means to have an advantage. Do you realize that you have an advantage because you are part of a very large family? You have an advantage because you're a son of Jesus. You have an advantage because you are a son or a daughter of the creator God. And you have an advantage because you are connected into a family in heaven. And you have an advantage because you've been given an inheritance. And you have an advantage because he's given you the authority to govern the moral law and climate. You are not a victim. And it's time as the church we get out of a victim mentality of woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. And like I've been talking the last two nights, that we start not talking about the problems, but we start seeing it from a glorified place. And you'll never see it if you don't understand your sonship and your family and the administration that you've been given and the authority that he's invested into you. You will continue to live in a victim mentality and just sit here and take blow after blow after blow and hope you'll survive. And I'm tired of that. I think we're supposed to be like in the driver's seat. We're supposed to be taking this someplace that starts to shift the culture and the society and confronts people's hearts and says, you know what? It's time you grow up. It's time you line up. It's time that you, you get into order. It's time you start doing something with your life. It's time to quit babying each other. Start putting a demand on the, on the gifting that you are to the body of Christ. You see, we sit, here, we sit here with all of us sitting here with a portion and a part that makes a whole. But if a portion or a part does not step into the whole, the whole can't be seen. Part of the inheritance, you see, you're that thimble down payment 
Well, guess what? So is everybody else in the room. If we put us all together, we'd have more than enough. We'd have an overcoming, victorious spirit rising. But it's when we try to do the journey alone, that's why he said, hey, I'm placing you as a son or daughter right here beside me. I want you to understand you've got such an advantage because I'm going with you on the journey. That's how, that's how Yuri says, you know, I don't have any fear. I, I, I don't know if that's true or not. But, but I, when I get out places and I'm on assignment and I know God has sent me and I know he's beside me, I don't have any fear. But fear disappears. Faith has to arise. You know, and I've had, I've had guns in my faces in foreign nations. I had a drunk Muslim man with an AK-47 bouncing on my chest, and I looked down, and the, you know, the safety is off, and I'm like, I hope this don't go off. And I'm, I'm dialoguing, and he's asking me, why did you come to my nation? Very mad. I said, I came here to tell people about a Savior. And you know, I should have backed off. And I said, you need him. <laughs> you know what? It could have been my last moment. But I was going to make my moment count. I was telling them, I told somebody. Oh, I remember we were talking at lunch. Had a guy come and come, sticks this gun in my car. And we're in Lagos, Nigeria, and it's midnight, and it's, you know, Saturday night, midnight, and the spirit of fear is spinning in the car waiting to see who's going to grab it. Nobody grabbed it. He starts shaking. He runs off down the road. You see, every single thing of these, these things that come in our life, there is a decision point of what and who are you going to believe. Every problem that you're faced with right now, you're either seeing it as a son or a daughter placed with a Savior and a Creator along your side that will create what you need in the moment and will protect you in that moment, or you're seeing it that I'm going this journey alone. And journeying alone is not fun. It's what you get is a situation. Well, let me talk about something else. I'll try to find an exit. How's that? Ephesians 2, 40, 2, 4 through 7. The God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, has quickened us together. That's what I'm going to talk about tonight is that portion right there. And he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. And when you look at the structure of that sentence, it's not talking about a future date. It's talking about a present moment. You right now, you're seated in that chair, but you're actually seated at a table in heaven. You're seated at a king's table. David said, you have prepared for, before my enemy. You have prepared a table before my enemies. You know what it says when you start to look at the structure of the words? It's a king's royal table with divine authority. You have prepared for me a divine table with all the authority that is setting at that table, that king's table, and you did it in front of my enemies. 
And that is where you're seated right now. You're not seated in that chair. Don't let your physical head get in the way. Your natural thinking. You are seated before him at a table. Now here's what's happening at a table. In the natural, we go to a table to pig out. (laughs) To eat. But you know what else we go to a table? You know what's the most important thing about a table? We're going to go to a table here in a little bit to eat. The most important thing about the table is the conversation. Has nothing to do with the food. The food is the excuse to have a conversation. So we schedule a lunch date to have a conversation. Should be a conversation date. And then we talk over food. What is the conversation that's going on at this table right now? What is being discussed? Because see, Philippians 3.20 says, our conversation is in heaven at the same place that you're seated. What is the conversation? Could the conversation be going down this path? Is there... Is this moral constitution of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 being fulfilled? Is the conversation in this hour, is the church really rising up in power and authority? Is the, is the conversation about this is what you need to do to overcome that thing that's hindering that whole region from being set free? There are conversations going on with our family members. And in this hour, what God is doing is he's trying to merge us on the earth with an understanding of the family in heaven. He's trying to get us to come to a higher plateau. He's trying to get us enter into spiritual realms and realize I am seated at a very important place and I'm having a very important conversation with God. And God is telling me his heart. The creator's telling me his heart. My savior is telling me his heart. I'm speaking to him. He's speaking to me. We're having a dialogue about things. We're having a conversation. And the conversation is not about the weather or football or baseball starting or my truck broke down. That's not the conversations that we should be having. I know we'll have some of that to break the ice. We should be having koinonia. Deep conversations and fellowship one with another to push each other on in kingdom assignment and understanding to break things open in each other's lives to see the Christ inside each of us and the glory at resting and say, I want to pull that out of you. I want to support you. I want to, I want to ag you on in what your journey is. I want to push you out there so that you can, I believe in you. What does the word conversation mean? Is in heaven. What does it mean? Conversation means, uh oh, the administration of civil affairs. We're back to the word administrating. Our conversation is determining the, how we're going to approach the civil affairs. It means the constitution of the commonwealth. What commonwealth? The commonwealth of the kingdom. The commonwealth of the family. The commonwealth of my relationship with God. I, he wants, he's like, come to the table. Let's converse. And guess what? You're not way down over there at the end of the table. I placed you right here beside me. 
You're still placed right, at, right beside me. I'm just going to turn over here and lean and have a conversation with you. It means to manage the state of citizenship. To manage the state of citizenship. I want you to think about something for a moment. That conversation is going on in heaven. What in heaven needs administrated? Nothing. What in heaven needs to shift? What in heaven needs to come into alignment? Nothing. The conversation in heaven is for your benefit to hear what needs to happen into the earth. Can you imagine what's going on in heaven this morning talking? Talking about all of you here? And the potential of how they see what you're going to do upon the earth? Can you imagine that they're looking down in this moment and wishing they could be in this moment? Patriarchs of old, angels are looking into this moment saying, man, I can hardly wait to see what they're going to do next. The main thing that I see that they're, here's the closing. The main thing that I see that they're talking about is the mission of the ecclesia that will be accomplished because sons and daughters know who they are. A son or daughter that knows who they are has no fear. A son or daughter that knows who they are sees no limitation. A son or daughter that knows who they are and understands the position and rights that they have will not allow some of this junk to keep coming at them. They will stand up and say, I've had enough of that. I'm not going to tolerate it. I'm not going to embrace it. I'm not going to empower it. Because even sometimes we can empower things with our faith that we're not even there that we think we're fighting. Because your faith is always active. So today, on this journey, son or daughter, family, citizen, inheritance, administrator, governor, seated at a table, conversation... If God be for us, who and what can be against us? If we have all of that available to us, my gosh, I think we might actually have answer. So what do you have to do? You have to first administrate yourself. You have to decide, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to start acting like a real son or daughter. Not just a name. I'm going to go explore what does this really mean. I'm going to administrate my thoughts and get my thoughts held captive. I'm going to administrate my life and my values and where I put my life. And maybe what I ought to do is go isolate myself with God and have a conversation at his table for a couple hours. Instead of watching television. Or doing all these things that we think are so needful in our lives. And we have need of one thing. That relationship to be more real than anything else that we're putting our hand to. Well, Holy Spirit, today I ask you to break this open to every person in this room. That you would cause them to have perfect understanding. I ask for the spirit of understanding to come like it did in Acts 2. 
where we no longer fight and vie for position, but we go to war for each other and with each other. That, Father, we go through a transitional moment of change where we understand who we really are to you and that identity becomes solidified in us. And, Father, we begin to understand that you have placed us alongside you and you're journeying with us, and there's nothing we can't handle together. Father, I ask you to take each person here into a heavenly dimension with you where they understand that they've been seated to hear a conversation. And Father, it would give them your plan for their future. Father, I bless this house. I bless this house that's been set here as an ecclesia in this region and territory to govern your constitution into this land. And it's not by happenstance people are here. It is by your purpose and intention you have brought them. And God, I believe every person in this room has an assignment specifically given to them that is part of the whole of the family governing with family law. Let no one in this place think they're insignificant or less than but let them see themselves as more than and important to the overall plan that you're unfolding in this hour. Father, I love this people. I love their heart. I love, God, how they welcome me with open arms so many times. God, I ask you to bless them. Fire on the head, union with Christ, presence of God, Fire on the head like fire on the hills. And when they come into fire in the hills, they're carrying the fire on the head. And it confronts all of those things and brings all of those things to bear into this land. So, Father, I bless them. I bless their children today with the same fire on their head. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to tell you something about your children for just about three minutes, and then I'll, I'm going to call it. My granddaughter is now seven. She was six. And for almost two years, God has been taking her into heaven. She goes almost regularly. And the things that she's seeing and she describes are beyond her years of ability to even talk. And she has had discussions with Michael, not knowing who Michael is, just said there was an angel called Michael, and he came and he talked to me. And she talks about she'll lay out on the floor and just lay out. And God will take her. And she got up off the floor, and she says, like in one vision, she said, and when I came back into the room... And I got up off the floor. I looked up and I saw Jesus standing at the back and he was very happy with us. And she talks about going through doors in heaven, going into places in heavenly places. She talks about the battle that's going on, the arrows that are being shot, how the arrows are being pulled out of, with good angels and bad angels and red-faced angels and the good angels. And it's light and darkness and it's all of that. And she's talking like you would talk if you'd seen a vision. Now, I'm saying that to tell you you need to invest into your children. 
Your children, there's not a little Holy Spirit and a big Holy Spirit. There is a Holy Spirit. And your kids can experience things in God that you probably can't because we got too much baggage, but they have so much innocence. And if we would train our children to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, they can participate in everything that we are participating in. And that's what they're doing. They are participating in and they're seeing things, and they're hearing things. She came up to me, came up to us two years ago, said, that man back there is very depressed. I want to go sing a song over him. God has given me a song to sing over him. She went to the back of the room, sang the song over the man. The man was not moving. She went and got all the other little kids that were like five, six years old, got them all over there, and they sang a spontaneous healing song over that guy, and that dude got set free. Our kids can do things, and we need to be investing into our children with a whole new understanding. Guess what? They are placed. They are seated. They are having conversations that maybe you're not having. And it challenges us as grandparents on how we raise our kids. And they're seeing things in the room. They're seeing and hearing things. So... Being, do something with your children of an investment for a generational future. And you'll be shocked what will happen. You'll be shocked. Well, God bless you all. Thank you.